I'm going to try to describe something on paper that is really almost impossible to really explain fully because you can't put it on a three-dimensional level or a two-dimensional level or a one-dimensional level because it's much bigger than that. It's, it's non-dimensional, really. But I'm going to try to make it as clear and easy to understand as possible. This is how I received information when I was going to school at night. And I'm just going to share with you the information that I received. If it conflicts with some of your belief systems, just don't worry about it. I'm not here trying to prove anything or say you're wrong, I'm right. I'm just trying to share with you and what you do with it, you do with it. So, now this is going to really stretch your mind. I'm going to start from how I understand it, and it's a stretch when I start at this level. We have God. God the Father, God the Mother, God the Creator, God of all things. Nothing exists except that God so wished it to be. Everything that exists is an extension of Him. Everything. There's nothing that is not an extension of Him. Both the good and the bad as we perceive it. The positive and the negative is all an extension of Him. Now, I'm going to explain something, and that is that which is beyond God. And that's a very strange thing to say, but this is my understanding. And the reason I say this, and it, it's hard for people to understand this. I mean, I got kicked out of a church for talking about this at one time. When I was a child, I asked a question, well, what is that that's beyond God? Well, in a Sunday school, they said, well, we're going to do question and answer. Well, that was my question, and my answer was, I think you need to go to another church. <laughs> so when I would pray as a child, I would go and I would stand before the Lord, and then I would see beyond the Lord, and I would go into that which was beyond the Lord. And that was an essence of pure loving. It was just pure, pure loving. One way to look at it is unmanifested spirit. And this is real hard for the mind to understand because we're talking about an experience that is way beyond the mind. If you try to understand this with a mind, you're not going to. If you can understand it with your heart, the spiritual heart, it'll make sense to you. You'll go, yeah, I know that. Don't try to figure it out, because it's not figurable. It's not something that you can hold on to with a mind and define and take apart. In the unmanifested spirit, it is oneness. It is total oneness. And in that oneness, the unmanifested spirit knows itself by the movement of that loving. And it is like, and this is a very, very poor definition, but I don't know how else to put it into words. It's like little, it's not like little, it's, it's cells, if you will, are beings, not beings, it's presences, awarenesses of love. And it knows itself through the moving of loving. And it's just that movement of loving that it knows itself by. To merge into that and to merge into total loving like that it is the really it's the place of going home when you're there you will understand you will know it 
and you will come back here and your mind will go, what? 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 Because it will not be able to understand it. But you will know that you have been there. You will know what that was. But the mind will never know what that was. And so when I try to describe this, and I have to come at it from the mind to give you a definition, there is no definition. But when you experience it, I'm not going to say if, I know that one day, somewhere in another lifetime, in this lifetime, someday, you will experience it. And when you experience it, if you remember this conversation, you'll go, oh, I know that. I remember that. Now, in this process, in the unmanifested spirit, as the loving was moving along, at one point, in that movement of loving, there was an awareness of self. It said, oh, I am. I am loving. And in the moment, I am became a little lower frequency of energy. And it is God. God, I am. You know, what is your name, Lord? What name do I go out and tell them who you are? I am that I am. That is what was told to Moses. I am. So God, when he realized himself in this unmanifested spirit, in the movement of loving and said, oh, I am, the energy, the frequency dropped just a little bit, and I am was now God in manifestation. God then said, look, here I am. And here's unmanifested spirit. And here's the movement of loving. I want to know more of this loving. I want to know what this loving really is. And I want to extend the movement of this loving throughout all of myself. And it saw all that was unmanifested and said, I want to extend myself, my loving, into all that that is and know myself fully. And so God began to create. He began to send forth extensions, expressions of himself into all that he could see of himself. And that was the beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. So therefore, we can take it then that the heavens had matter to them, if you will. Not real matter as we call this. But it had substance. It was created. So the heavens was created, but the earth was void and without form. Now, it's not earth, this earth. It's saying that just as there's unmanifested spirit here there was unmanifested presence out here beyond the realm of the creation that God had now extended himself into there was yet something else called the void in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and without form okay then God sent forth extensions of himself and many of those extensions are called love peace joy enlightenment, enthusiasm, light, sound, time, space. There's all these different expressions of God that he sent forth into his creation so that he could know himself more fully. So we have one that's called time and space. Now, when these extensions went out, to begin experiencing and expressing God more fully in all of his creation in the heaven worlds, if you will, in spirit. 
one of those aspects of God that came forth is time and space. Now, when time and space is in oneness with the full presence of God, and peace and joy and love and enthusiasm and all that creative energy is together supporting time and space, it all works real well together. But when time and space is out on its own, it doesn't stand so well on its own. And what happens with time and space is that it warps upon itself. You know, if you look at Einstein's theory of relativity, it talks a lot about this. And so this aspect of God began to warp upon itself. And what happens when you warp on yourself, when you begin to become introverted, you become self-centered. And in that self-centeredness of time and space, this aspect of God, now this is a part of God, but as this began to warp upon itself in this time and space warp, and it began to be self-centered, it began to see itself as the divine creator. It said, oh, well, I am God. I am the creator. You know, why don't you just get off that throne? Because this is my creation and they should be worshiping me. They should all be honoring me and answering to me and telling me about my creation. And God goes, no, you are losing sight of who you are and where you came from. And time and space continued to warp upon itself, this aspect of God, until finally it became so self-centered that it began to demand of God equal right. I am the Lord God. I am the Creator. What are you doing up there? Get off my place. So finally God said, well, wait a minute. This is my creation, and you are just a part of my creation. You are not the Creator. But if you want to create, if you want to know about creation, I've got a place down below called the Void. I haven't done anything down there yet. So why don't you go down there and you set up home? You create your own creation. You create your own kingdom. And there you can be Lord and God, creator of all. Because you will be. You will have created it all for you. And anything and all things that come into your creation, you can set it up in such a way that they will worship and honor you. You will be the Lord of that realm. But I am the Lord of all. I am the Lord of you. But you will be the only one to know that if you set it up the way that you're planning to set it up. So go now, time and space. Go into the void and do what you will. So off goes time and space into the void. Now, what does time and space have? It has time and it has space. What does it not have? It doesn't have love, it doesn't have joy, it doesn't have peace, it doesn't have the creative energy of the Holy Spirit, the creative principle. It doesn't have any of the other aspects. Enthusiasm, light, and sound. It's the light and sound aspect of the Holy Spirit that is the creative principle that all came forward from the Lord. So time and space gets down here and looks in the void and goes, oh my God, there is absolutely nothing here. I mean, there is nothing here. I'm the only one around. Who's going to worship me here? I mean, they're not going to be tempted to come into nothingness. I've got to create something. But all I can do is create time and space, and that isn't a very tempting place. 
So what am I going to do? So the first thing he did is he created a reflector, a barrier, if you will, a reflective surface. And that reflective surface became the separation between the positive realms of spirit and the negative realms that this individual, time and space, which in the Hindu tradition is called Kal Naringen. So we have the positive realms of spirit and we have the negative realms of Kal. Now, time and space then comes in, he creates a reflective surface. Now, he creates this because he figures, I don't know how to create. I'm not a creator. I'm time and space. I don't have a creative principle. So what am I going to do here? So he creates a reflective surface so that everything that is up here is reflected into his creation. And so he creates the world of illusion. He creates an illusion of God's creation. He says, I don't know how to do it, so I'll just reflect it. And I'll make everybody think that this is now God's creation. But it's a poor reflection because what happens when you reflect something in the mirror? It gets reversed. It isn't the same image, it's a reversed image. And so that's what happens, that everything that is up here, one, got reversed, and two, is a very poor reflection of the reality, of the truth. So this is where the truth is, and this is not the truth. This is a reflection of the truth. It's illusion. Then he began, called Arinjan, time and space, began to look and see in this illusion, what can he do? Well, he had time and he had space. With that energy, he could begin to create. With his own consciousness, he could begin to create time and space. And what do we exist by today? Time and space. You know, give me my space, please. Would you just step back a little bit? Give me my space. I don't have time. Would you leave me alone? Time and space. That's how we live. We're controlled by this individual's principles of time and space. And as long as we have a body in any of these levels, physical, astral, causal, mental, etheric, we are having the influence of time and space upon us. So he first looked into the void and he said, well, wait a minute. Anybody that now comes through that mirror, that reflective surface, and looks to see what's down here, they're going to say, well, that's a poor reflection. It's much brighter and prettier up here. I mean, that, that's neat, but that's just a trick of image. I, I'm not going to be tempted by that. And he also knew that if they did come in, they'd just go right back out because they would know that this was much brighter up here than it was down here. So what he decided to do was he decided to just leave a little bit of the void, that nothingness. So he said, let's just keep this nothingness right here and make nothing, no thing in here. And that way, when somebody drops in to look at my reflection world, my world of illusion, and they come on down here, they're going to start to go up, and they're going to go up, and they're going to go, oh, there's nothing up here, so let's go back down here. It must be down here after all. And all of a sudden, this is going to be the trap, that they can't go past this barrier once they've gone through it. Because everything down here will be brighter than this. Everything will be down here, not here. 
they won't be able to see up here because this will be a barrier now. And so once they get into this, they'll just say, oh, well, this, this is it. It must be here somewhere. I just got to roam around here till I find what I came down here to look for. And I don't even know what I came down here to look for. These beings do not have sex to them. There's not a masculine and feminine sex to them. I mean, God is not a he, God is not a she. God is a presence. God is loving. That's, that's what God is. But I see it through a male's attitude, a male's view. And the world has always talked about God, he, God, he, God, he. So I, I talk about it as a he. The first level then was the level of mind that he created then beyond the void. And each time this creation takes place, that's just a stepping down of frequency. You know, if you look at a radio and you move the radio band on the radio, you can get 505, 780, 820, 950, and those are frequencies. And you're just changing frequencies. You're going from a lower frequency to a higher frequency. And that's what happens here. It's from the lower frequency to the higher frequency. So it's almost like a radio band. And each time you change frequency, you just drop to a new level. You go from 1010 to 920 to 870 to 820 to 750 and on down. And each one has a tone, a sound. It's a creative sound. It's a creative principle that God used of light and sound. So we have that which is light and sound, which is the movement of the Holy Spirit. And that is the creative principle by which all creation came into being. Through God's loving and through that light and sound, all came into being. Well, time and space didn't have light and sound, so it just used the reflection of light and the illusion of sound to create with. So in the mind, we have everything that is of the mind. And to explain the mind to you would take all evening. And still, it really wouldn't explain the mind. Because the mind is so immense. And we have so many definitions to the mind that it isn't. And there is so much more to the mind that we do not yet understand. But once you get into this level of the mind, you'll begin to understand it more. And the way you get into understanding all these levels, all the way through, is by meditation, by going within, and waking up to your own spirit inside and moving into them. The next level down beyond that then, this is also called the mental level. The next level is the emotional level. And it's also called the causal. So we have the causal realm. So this is the level of emotion. And I think we all know emotions. You know, if you don't, come and talk to me. I want to know how you do that. Because <laughs> I do know emotions. I've done emotions. I still do emotions. The way I explain the mind is like ticky-tacky boxes. And once you get a definition of something, it's very hard sometimes to go in and change it because now I got it in that box, it just better stay in that box. And I don't want to change my definition. Don't you change my definition. I'm just real comfortable with it in my box. Please, thank you, don't touch my box. <laughs> just leave my ticky-tacky stuff alone. The emotions are like water. And to me, 
emotions are like being in, in a big pool of water or the ocean. And these waves just come and sweep me up and I just get caught up and I'm just bouncing around. And I have no control. I can't feel the bottom with my feet and I can't control my motion. I am just ever moving. So it's just a, a non-controllable sensation sometimes when my emotions really get to roll. The next level below that is the realm of imagination. This is also called the astral level. Now, I think a lot of us know our imagination. We think that's our mind, but really it's our imagination. And that's why I was saying, a lot of times we think we know our mind, but really we're just doing our imagination. A lot of mentalizing is really just imagining. And then the next level beneath that is the physical. Need I say more? I think we know the physical. And we know all that that is. But the physical is a very blessed place. This is a very, very special place. Because in the physical body, you can experience your imagination, your emotions, your mind, your unconsciousness, the void, the nothingness. This is the realm of the unconscious. And you can experience your spirit, the soul of who you are. And so now we begin to see a little bit more of the definition of these levels of creation. And I'm just going to try to distinguish a little bit more of the separation here. Now this is called the cosmic mirror. When I was a child, I used to call it the lake of reflection. Because to me it looked like a huge lake. And it just reflected everything. And you could see, if you were on the top of the lake and you looked on it, you could see everything above reflected and it was beautiful and it was the same. Uh, it was brilliant. But when you went down beneath the surface of the lake and you look down below, have you ever been in the water in a pool or something and the light comes in and it just kind of gets all distorted and it loses its brilliance and luster? And the deeper you get, the darker it gets? Well, welcome to Carl's Ocean. <laughs> That's what this is. This is an ocean. It's called the ocean of the world. And it's his reflection. The light comes in and begins to filter into his consciousness and takes on a whole different appearance. I call this the realm of the dark light and this the realm of God's light. So we have then physical, astral, causal, mental, void, soul, and the realms of spirit. Now, when Call then created all this, he had these frequencies set up. He had them all set up and he said, well, now I just need somebody down here. You know, come on guys, let's have somebody down here to worship me. I need somebody. So what did he do? He goes back up here and says, anybody want to come down and play? I've got some great fruit down here to taste, you know, an apple. You want to take a bite? Just, just a bite? Well, the apple is the mind. That's the mind. The tree of knowledge. In my garden, partake of all the fruits that I have, but do not partake of this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is the realm of duality. This is not duality up here. This is oneness. It's always one. This is the realm of duality. Once you get into reflection, you get duality. Things begin to separate. Just like a prism, you can take the light of white light and through a prism it becomes many different colors. So down here, 
is the same effect. And so we have duality. We now have positive and negative. Well, don't go and partake of that tree of the good and evil. But eat of all the other fruits. That's fine. But don't eat of that one. Because the moment you do, you're going to fall out of my garden. And that's what happened. Some of the souls up here began to partake. They wanted to know, well, what is this mind? What is this knowledge of good and evil? Let's, let's go find out. You got an apple? <laughs> and they began to come down and partake of the mind. They took a bite of the apple. What happened was the moment that they took a bite, they were then trapped because they did not know how to get back out. That void was here. And now Kalnaringen, time and space, goes, Oh, that's all right. I'm the creator. You don't have to go anywhere. Just worship me. Just honor me. I created all this for you. You know, just have fun. This is the garden. This is the creation I put for you. And not being able to know anywhere else to go, we go, Oh, all right. And so we began to wander through the realms of the mind to try to understand, well, what is this creation? And what is this thing of good and evil? Then we began to wander the mind until finally we decided, well, let's find out what else is in this garden. And so we go down, we begin to experience the realm of emotion. Now, all the time we're doing that, what we're really trying to do as souls is to get back where we came from. I know I came from somewhere, but boy, I forgot. I just kind of went unconscious for a minute. And then when I woke up, I was in this level, and now I'm thinking a lot about good and evil, positive and negative, and there's that guy up there that says he's God, and I've got to worship him. And, but boy, I kind of remember, but hmm, where did I come from? We forgot. We literally forgot, because we went through the realms of the unconscious. If you've ever been unconscious, I doubt you remember much of it. A lot of us do that at night when we go to sleep. A lot of us do it when our wife or our husband is talking to us. <laughs> and a lot of us do it at other times, such as at work, whatever. We just kind of go unconscious. So that's what happened with the soul when it came in here. It went through the unconscious state, into the mind, and then it began to wander, going, well, you know, I know I came from someplace. I know there's more to me than this. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. And so it began to wander through the mind trying to understand it. And it said, well, I'm not fully here. So maybe I'm down there. Maybe I'm in these other frequencies. So let me go down. Oh, wow. Ooh, this feels pretty neat. Hmm. Yeah, no, this feels a little bit more complete. Now I got feelings with this other stuff called mind. Yeah, feelings and mind. Hmm. Now I got a thought and I got a feeling. Now what am I going to do with this thought and feeling? Hmm. Thoughts and feelings. I don't know what to do with them go down a little bit more in frequency and wow, now I can imagine stuff with this thought and feeling. Wow, this is neat. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> it's called daydreaming, imagining. So we go down and we begin to imagine. We begin to create with our imagination. We begin to see what it is like to be creative. And the soul is a very creative energy. It came from the creator and it is a creative principle. So now we're in this level of imagination and we go, well, God, what can I do with this imagination now? Let's see what I can create with it. Well, I got a physical body. Well, that's pretty neat. You know, all I had to do was think it and it was there and now I'm stuck in it. Oh my God. 
you know, I can't get out of it. Well, it was easy to get in. Can I go back up to the imagination? No. Emotions? No. Well, I guess I'm stuck with this body for a while. And that's what happened. Now, as this was going about, Colin Orenjan, time and space, the Lord and God of creator of all of this, created some principles, some laws to live by. You know, we all have these laws to live by. Now, it's interesting. God doesn't have any law to live by up here. There's no law at all. It's just grace. God is full of loving, and the principle and action of loving is grace. But down here, time and space doesn't have loving and doesn't have grace. Time and space then has to create law. I've got to keep you here. You know, what if you figure out how you got here? What if you do remember? What if you do figure a way through that void? I've got to keep you here. I've got to create a law that holds you in suspension here so that you continue worshiping me. Because, you know, I can't get all of God's creation into mine. His is much bigger than mine. I can't get all the souls in here. And I know that all those souls are not going to be tempted by me. A lot of them are going around up there going, wait, 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 don't get near that tree. You know, I saw somebody yesterday take a bite off that tree, and they were gone. Never came back. I don't know where they went, so don't do that. You don't want to disappear out of this garden. And that's what happened. A lot of the souls said, stay away. They put little signs around it. <laughs> do not trespass. Do not go past go. All that kind of stuff. And that's why a lot of souls are still up here and not down here. So those souls that did get down here found that they didn't have grace to live by anymore. They had a different principle called the law of the Lord. And the law of the Lord, as it began to come into manifestation, is called, as you sow, so you reap. For every action, there's a reaction. The law of karma. Well, you just took a breath. You owe me for that breath. I, that's my life that I just gave you. Now you owe me. Oh, your heart just beat. Now you owe me for that heartbeat. And that's what he does. For every element of him that you utilize in your beingness, he jots it down and says, Whoop, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. There's, that's a lot of them. Now, okay, now, now I gotcha. Now that you're up to 150, you're here for a long time. Because you're going to keep building more than you're going to ever go back and pay me back for that. You know, it's kind of like the loan shark. The interest rates are so high, you're never going to get it paid off. Good luck just paying the interest. Well, that's how Call is. He's the greatest loan shark of all. He loaned you a kingdom, and you're never going to pay your way out of it. And that's just the truth of it. And that's the law of karma. Now, then, in order for you to have the opportunity and the right and the way to pay him back, he said, well, sure. You know, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunity. You can pay me back. No problem. I'll create a principle, a law of reincarnation. You can re-embody as much as you want on each of these levels. And you can just keep on re-embodying and re-embodying to work your karma off. I'm very fair. And Calder Engine is a very, very fair being. After all, he is an aspect of God. He is not evil. He is not cruel. He is not corrupt. He is a part of God. But when you warp on yourself, you become selfish. You become self-centered. And in that, you then become very egotistical. 
And what does the ego need but to be always supported? Am I great? Yeah, 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 you're great. You're really, really great. Yeah, but am I really great? Yeah, you're really great. I mean, you're just the best. Well, keep on saying it. Don't stop. I need to hear more. You never say it enough. You know, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Well, but do you really love me? Yeah, I really, really love you, God. Just leave me alone. <laughs> That's how it is. He's always doing that to us, putting us under the pressure of demand of the law. And we're always having to pay back for everything. Now we have duality. We have the positive and we have the negative. So if I do something good over here, well then, according to that principle of balance, something good has got to come back into my life. If I do something that isn't so good over here that might be called negative or bad or harmful, then that is going to come back into my life so that that is balanced. He likes the scales balanced. Now, if you can get those scales perfectly balanced, he says, well, I guess you can leave. But somehow or other, it's just really hard to get that thing to level out and balance. It's always out of balance. You're always owing just a little bit more on one side or a little bit more on another. Or, you know, oh, you really could go, but, you know, there's a good thing that has to happen to you first. Let's let it happen. Now, you need to go back down to the physical body for that good thing. So go on back down there and get that paid off, and then you can go. Just have that good thing come into your life. You come back down here, you start doing your life, you get angry and irritated because the goodness is taking its time getting into your life. Well, you know, he can give it to you when he wants to give it to you. It's his law. So I'll give it to him three days before he dies. And until then, he's got to wait for that goodness to come in. But then it'll be balanced and he can go on. Well, guess what? Your anger and your hostility and your long waiting and all that creates new karma. But the goodness comes in and you get that paid off and it comes up and then it goes, Oh, look, you got angry. Oh, you got to go back down there and work off your anger. You can't go just yet. And that's the game. It's a constant game back and forth. It's funny, but it's serious at the same time. But it really is humorous. And if you can begin to look at all this as humorous, then you can get free of it. If you take it real serious, folks, you're not going to get free of it. It's a trap. And he who rules this, rules it through seriousness. He is also called Yama, or the god of death, the angel of death. And he lives off that energy of your death, off of death everywhere. And so if you look throughout his creation, everything is dying. From the moment it is born, it's dying. It's always dying. The stars are dying. The moon is dead. The planets are dying. People are dying. Plants are dying. Animals are dying. It's his principle. And he lives off this energy of death. That is his life energy. Remember, he doesn't have the creative principle. He had to create his own life, his own life wave, his own life force. And so just as life is life up here, down here it's death. It's a reflection and it's a reversal. So it's death. And he survives off that energy of death moving ever in him and through him. That's his life blood, if you will. So as everything is dying, he just eats it up. 
That's his food, death, yum, yum, mm, more death, mm, mm, yes, yes, yes. You know, and that nourishes him and keeps him going. So he needs everything to be moving towards death, to an ending, to a completion. And so on each of these levels, we die. We do not live there eternally. We're not in the mind. We're in a physical body right now. We are in a physical body, but we have mind. Because this level of the physical is made up of astral, imaginational level, of emotions, of the mind, and of the unconscious, including the physical body. This level here, the realm of imagination, is made up of imagination, the elements of emotion, the elements of mind, and the elements of the unconscious, but it doesn't have a physical body because it isn't of that frequency. It's a higher frequency than that. You see what I'm saying? So we die and are born to these different levels as we go through this cycle of incarnation upon incarnation called re-embodiment, called reincarnation. And we do that because on each of these levels as we have experiences, we are creating debt. We are creating karma with him. And so we are always having to pay our karma off on all these levels. So if you die to the physical body and you go up into the emotional body and that's where you are in that moment, guess who comes up and says, well, you know what? You still owe me on this level too. So now you've got to work off some karma on this level. How are you going to do that? And so you're always ever trying to pay him back. And this is called the Wheel of 84. Now, the term 84 comes from the concept of that there are 8,400,000 species that we can experience in. In creation that Kalnarinjan created, there's 8,400,000 species that we can experience in. Now, not all those species are in the physical body. There are species in the imaginational, the emotional, the mental, as well as in the nothingness. There's a species there called the unconscious. And so we have a lot of opportunity to experience in a lot of different forms, not just this body, not just this existence down here. And so that's why it's called the Wheel of 84. And we're constantly going throughout all this, incarnating, incarnating, incarnating again and again, trying to bring balance. And all the time we're just going, where did I come from? How do I get back there? Can anybody tell me? please. And all we're doing all the time is we're looking outside of ourselves. We're always looking out. You know, maybe it's over here. Oh, I bet it's behind that tree right there. No, it's not there. Well, maybe it's in you. I don't, no, it's not in you. Where is it? Where am I? How do I get back there? We're always looking outside, not in. The truth of who we are is inside. But how easy is it for us to sit down, close our eyes, and go inside? It's not real easy. It really is not real easy at first because we are so accustomed to looking out. We look out through these two eyes. We look out through our taste, through our smell, through our feelings, through our hearing, our senses. We're always going out there to feel, to get it, to know it. And that's how Call keeps us distracted. His energy is down and out, down and out, down and out down and out. So it's down and out, down and out. That's where I'm going to find my truth, huh? Down and out? Okay, I'll do it. And so we're always looking out there for the truth. 
the real truth is found in and up. You just reverse the cycle and go in and up, in and up, in and up, in and up. And all of a sudden, you're back home where you came from. But that takes real focus, real direction, real intention. And we get awfully distracted awfully quick. We're sitting in meditation and all of a sudden the phone rings. I wonder if that's Bobby. Uh, well, I, you know, I told him I'd call him back. I better go get the phone. You know, distraction. It's always there. God, I itch so much. I just got to itch. I can't sit here and just meditate. Well, let me go put some cream on it. This is just driving me crazy. You know, I didn't eat enough at lunch. I, I better go get another bite of something because my stomach is just really growling right now. Well, you know, I should have used the bathroom. I know I should have used it. You know, I just set myself up all the time like this. You know, I don't even know why I do this meditation stuff. It just doesn't work. Well, because we get distracted. If you really want to go home, you've got to sit there and you just sit through the pain of it, if you will. You just sit through all the distraction. You let the phone ring. You let all that go and just move on in and up, away from all that distraction, to begin to find yourself. Now, this energy of this motion of around and around on the wheel of 84, it looks like this. It's a spiraling action. And what happens is this. Remember, it's a world of duality, so we have to have a dual spiral within one. It's not just one. So we have an outer edge and we have the inner edge of the spiral because it's a duality. We have the right and the left, the inner and the outer. We always have duality down here. So the outer edge is moving down. It's always moving down. Always moving down. Even though it feels like it's going up sometimes, it's still going down. And it is centrifugal. It is going out. The energy is ever focused out from that edge of the movement of the spiral, and the spiral that this energy is moving in. That round and around wheel of 84. Now the inner circle, the inner one, is ever going up and in. And it's centripetal. Not centrifugal, it's centripetal. And it's pulling you in. It's pulling you inward rather than throwing you outward. Now, what does Kalarinjan want us to do? Oh, the outer one. Takes you out, throws you out. Makes you go out there to look for it. If you get into the inner one, it takes you in. It takes you in. And what is in the inner part of the spiral? of the circle that Calder Engine created. It's neutrality. There is nothing here. Over here we have the positive, over here we have the negative. Polarity. Duality. But in the middle is the nothingness. But not the nothingness of the unconscious. It's the neutrality. It's a no charge. There's nothing there in the way of a charged energy. So if we can let go of our beliefs about good and evil, if we can let go of, well, I'm due some good here. Well, Lord God, can you just please forgive me? I'm so sorry of the negative side. If we can let go of all that and just enter into neutrality, what we then enter into is that realm of loving. Because pure spirit is loving. And loving is neutral.
It has no polarity. And that's what we find in this wheel of 84, the centripetal and centrifugal force. Now, you could be in the outer rim in the centrifugal force being thrown out, and all of a sudden you look and you go, wow, hmm, there's something over there. Oh, let's just go over there and find out what that's like. And all of a sudden we get pulled in. We begin to move inward into the loving, into neutrality. And if we're fortunate enough to keep looking that way, we're going to go into the loving, into the neutrality, and we're going to go in and up and go back to the soul from which we came from and on back up into God from which we originally came from. The challenge is, is to not look back. You know, what did Lot's wife do? She looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Salt is of the earth. The earth is void and without form except for what Kalnarinjan created. So the key is, is not to turn around and look back, but once you begin to look to the loving, look into the centripetal force, the pulling into the loving, the neutrality, and you move into neutrality, move to neutrality. Just keep moving to neutrality. Don't look back. And that's a major key in this action. You know, if you look in the dictionary, at least my dictionary that I have at home, I've, I've looked in some of the more recent ones and they don't always have this same definition. But in an old dictionary that I have at home from 1959, it says, a sin is to turn away from. So, it's to turn away from the loving, turn away from neutrality, and to turn towards something else. That you've got to turn towards something else. So what are you turning toward? The positive and negative realms. You turn toward calls creation. That's sin, to turn away from. To turn away from the Lord, to turn away from the Creator and say, well, let's give that a try. To repent just means to turn toward. So you just turn toward neutrality. You turn toward the loving. You turn toward the inner spiral. So we have the Wheel of 84. We have the spiral. We have the centrifugal, the centripetal. We have the path of neutrality. Jesus said it this way, straight is the way and narrow is the gate and few there are that enter in. Well, straight is the way and this is a pretty narrow gate compared to all this other and few there are that enter in. The majority of the people are still doing centripetal force. They're still going out, 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 out. They're not going in, 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 in. The inner motion is in and up. So the inner spiral is actually moving up. But the outer spiral is ever moving down. Now you can't actually get all the way down to the bottom of the spiral and start going up and that's part of evolution. Evolution will take you into involution eventually but will it get you all the way back? I don't think so because as you're going up through these realms of the physical, imaginational, emotional, mental, and into the nothingness, all of a sudden you get up to the realm of nothingness up here and you go, oh my God, where am I? There's nothing here. And I start wandering around and eventually I've got to find my way out of here and the way out is to look out there and try to find my way out. So I start looking out again because I can't find my way through this. There's nothing there. So the soul finds itself really trapped in Kal's creation. And the reason being is that Kal created only with light, the light of reflection. Where God created 
his creation of the spiritual universe with light and sound, well, Colonel Engine did not have light and sound to create with. He only had the reflection of light. And then he had to create the illusions of sound at this level. So it's all illusionary. So you can sit in meditation and you can begin to hear all kinds of sounds and you can follow those sounds and you'll find a sound that will take you into the physical body and you can move through your physical body and you can see all your nerves, you can see the cells, you can see the atoms, you can see the fire and the blood and it really is, every, every cell and every atom is just filled with a fire, with a flame of life. And you can then move on into another sound and it'll take you through the realms of imagination. And another sound will take you into the emotions and the mind and so on. But his sounds and his light are all illusion, all reflection, and all just lead you back to him. So what Conorinjan then did, just to make sure that you kept worshiping him and kept looking toward him as the being of all, is he set up what's called the Twelve Churches. And these Twelve Churches are philosophies, belief systems, practices, ways of worshiping the light and honoring the light and looking to the light to get back to God, to become one with God, to become one with the light. And those are the twelve churches that he created. Now once he had created all this, then the Lord God, creator of all, said, now are you done? And called and said, yeah, isn't it pretty? I'm really proud of this. This is a good creation. I like it. God said, good, now that you're done, what you're going to have here is this. You are the Lord and God of, and creator of this. And all that come into your creation, all those souls, will worship you. And you have now set up a system by which they will worship and honor you. But when the souls recognize who they really are, just as when I recognized I am that I am, when they recognize the I am that I am in them, then they will be drawn to me. And you will not have dominion over them anymore. And so God then created a 13th church, if you will. And that's the church of neutrality. That's the church of loving. That's the church of light and sound. That's the church of grace. That's the church of salvation. The redemption. It has a lot of different names to it but it's all the same. So we have the twelve and the one. And in mystical tradition, up until the Christians took it over, thirteen was a sacred number. Thirteen was honored and revered, and the Christians, in order to get people away from the mystical tradition, they said, no, thirteen is evil, thirteen is negative, thirteen is bad luck. But the thirteen is the twelve and the one. With that extra one added, you have your salvation. You have the 12 tribes, which became the one nation. You have the 12 apostles, and you have the one Christ. And the plate that the high priest wore at the temple in Jerusalem, it had 12 stones, and hidden behind that was the 13th, the stone of prophecy, the stone of the all-knowing. So there's always that extra one added to the 12 that bring about an element beyond the norm. And that's this here, that pathway of the 13th. 
Now, for a long time, the way it was set up was Kalner Engine said, okay, I'm going to create some ages down here. I'm going to create four periods of being. And I'm going to rule in those four periods totally. I am the Lord God in all things. And all souls will worship me in those four periods. And God said, well, wait a minute. I will not disturb your creation and I will not disturb your worship. But those souls that find themselves to be I am, the Lord God of all, inside themselves, through the loving, they will have the right to come to me and be liberated. They will no longer have to be bound to your law. The grace will be by which they live and the grace will be their salvation and take them back into their own soul and eventually back into my own heart. And so Calderwinch said, oh, well, that's okay, but God, you know, with you standing over there just kind of being yourself, they might catch on pretty quick. I don't like that. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, since I'm the creator down here, I'm going to create one more principle. And that is, I have the right and rulership over them for three ages. And you can have them for one. You can come in and you can collect all that you can collect in one age, but I get all the leftovers for three. And so they began that process. So what happened then is the Lord God sent down a principle of himself, a consciousness of himself, and anchored it on each level. These are called the lords of the realms. Each of these is a realm, the physical realm, the astral realm, the causal realm, the mental realm, the etheric or the unconscious realm. And God said in the soul realm, and he set down a lord of each realm. And those are extensions of himself, representatives of himself on each level that doesn't go out and say, over here, guys, I'm the one. You want me, not that one over there. I mean, he's just a phony. He is part of God, but he isn't God. You're making a mistake here. So they just stand in the level of the creation that they're at and just are. And as somebody wakes up into the loving of themselves inside and becomes more knowing of the neutrality of the loving path, they are drawn magnetically, polarity-wise, to like consciousness. Neutrality, okay, I'll go to neutrality. If you notice, people that smoke tend to be more around smokers. People that drink tend to be more around drinkers. People that like sports are more around people that like sports. People that like women are more around people that like women. People that like this and that and the other are more like this and that and the other. We collect in groups according to our polarity. As we have collected here in a polarity, a polarity of one, a polarity of loving, a polarity of neutrality, a polarity of acceptance, which is also a principle up here, acceptance. Acceptance, understanding, I mean, there's just so many parts up here of the Lord that is extensions of Him. So, those souls would be gravitating over to that pathway of neutrality, away from the Wheel of 84, away from the 12 churches, away from the worship of Kalnarinjan, and over into that loving place of neutrality. But in those three ages, only a few would find it because every one of those individuals, the lords on this level, Kal wove his web of illusion. 
He is the great deceiver. So he wove a web of deception around each one, making them look like they're deceiving you rather than they're telling you the truth. And they also, it's very interesting, he took the names of each of these lords and he created a church around them. He said, oh yes, we will worship you, Lord. You are a Lord. You are. We will worship you. And so he created an illusionary story around each of their names and set up an illusion that people then, as they began to walk over there, they go, oh, 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 I see. We worship this Lord. Okay, Lord, now I'll worship you. Praise be you, O Lord. And they didn't come over and get the truth of neutrality and loving and the grace that they had to offer them to take them back to Seoul. They just again fell for another church, another path of deception. And that existed for three yugas, as it's called in Hindu philosophy, three ages. Now then, we enter into the fourth age. And the fourth age, this wasn't one that Kal was really looking forward to, because God could come down in more of his presence and take more souls home. He could really begin the gathering. He could take them back from which they came through his loving, through his grace. Now, in order to do that, he had to create a great bridge, a bridge of consciousness that would allow this anchor on each level to be much more visible and that souls would be much more able to see. So he began to create this bridge. Before, we had souls in the world that awoke up. They might have been self-illumined and into soul, but they did not know how to get you to soul. They'd go, wow, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. I wish you could go. You know, I, I know how I got there, but I don't know how to tell you to get there. I really don't. So a lot of souls down here in the time of the three yugas were either self-illumined or they really through determination found one of the lords on one of these levels and said, take me home. Please just take me home. What do I have to do? And they did it. And for a long time, it was always one-on-one. -on -one. Even in the time of the Kabbalah, the Jewish tradition, it's always one-on-one. -on -one. I will not have any other students in my room in this time, but except for one. So if, if we were doing the Kabbalistic tradition right now as it was really set up, before this age, we would just be doing it one-on-one. -on -one. We wouldn't all be sitting here doing this. And that's how discipleship worked back then. Well, how many can I teach in a lifetime if I've got to get you to soul first, and then I can take you, and then I can take you, and then I can take you. Oh, you know what? I don't have time. I'm going to die now. Goodbye. You know, so, okay, three got it, and the rest didn't. You see? And that's how it worked back then. Very few, even those that found the Lord over here, got out because of the deception and because of the limitation the way it was set up back then. But in this new period, God could create a greater bridge. And that bridge is how we are now finding more freedom to find neutrality, to find loving, to find grace, to find liberation out of here so that the soul can go home. And that's why so many more of us are really longing to go home because the soul enough knows now we can go home. We have been walking around in misery, trapped down here for a long time. And now we know we can go home. Now, 
after that bridge was completed, more and more came into the light, came into the sound that was here in this 13th church. They were drawn to it and began to find their salvation, their redemption, their liberation because of the teachings of light and sound that were presented to them over here. You know, Jesus said something to the effect of my yoke is light and my burden is easy. Well, that's what this is. Over here, the yoke is not that heavy. It's just sit down, go within, chant the names of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the holy name. Over here you get the name of God. And the name of God is made up of five names. The name of the astral Lord, the name of the causal Lord, the name of the mental Lord, the name of the etheric Lord, and the name of the soul Lord, the Lord of the soul realm. You put those five names together and you have the holy name of God, the holy creator, because these are the embodiments. They are each a vibration, a frequency, and harmony with that level. So that name is a key into that level. Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Those are the keys to the kingdom, the five names. So if I give you the five names, now you've got a key into the astral level, a key into the causal level, a key into the mental level, a key into the unconscious level, a key into the soul level, and you can go in and just start working your karma free at that level. And Calder Engine goes, where did you get that? How dare, well, all right, go ahead. Just don't give it to anybody else. That's unspoken, you can't speak it to anybody. Because if you do, I'll take it away from you. So, the five names are given to us, the keys to the kingdom. That's the yoke that is light. Just sit down, chant the names of the Lord, and keep working them inside carry them into the world, pray unceasingly, chant the name of God all the time, and you will have your liberation. You will be resurrected at death, and you will ascend to the Father. So, then what happened? These lords had much more effect on all of creation. They could come forward more. They could share their light more. So now we have this bridge, and souls are beginning to walk out in greater and greater numbers. They're having liberation. They're going back to soul. They're going back to God. And we have the 13th church, the 12 churches, the creation of Kalarinjan. We have the creation of the Lord. And what happens here is that as you begin to chant the names of God, you find yourself freeing yourself up on each of these levels because as you move inward and chant God's name on each level, you begin to move light and sound into each of those levels. And that light and sound is neutrality, and it neutralizes the karma that is in that area as you chant upward. And you create a channel of light of your own, all the way up to your own soul. And you awaken up in soul and you go, there I am, I am, oh my God, that's me. I am the Lord God. I am the soul. And you wake up to that and you know that. And now you know where you came from and where you're going. And the key is, is to go in and up. 
chanting the names of God, moving ever inward and upward. And in that process, you're ever listening to the sounds of creation of the Lord God. You're listening to the sounds of the realms on each level that represent the sound of the Lord on each level. And eventually you hear the sound of the soul. You know, there's a poem, For whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. That's the soul. Ding dong. Your soul is calling. <laughs> it's not Avon, it's your soul. <laughs> Maybe your soul's called Avon. We ought to check on that. Maybe that is the name of the soul. Avon, no, that's not it. <laughs> but that's the key here, is to wake up to your own soul. Paul said it very clearly, die the little death daily. To die the little death daily is to leave the physical body, to go within, to connect with the soul here, and then to go out and connect to the soul in the outer kingdom, and to recognize who you really are as the soul that you really are. Not just the divine spark of the soul here, but let that divine spark that you are here rise up through all these levels of creation and connect fully to the soul and be enlightened. And through that enlightenment, then begin the pathway back home to God. And in the day you do die the bigger death, not just the little death, but the big death, uh-oh, this is the big one. Well, you know what? I've done this so many times, no big deal. I'll just close my eyes, I'll chant the name of God, I'll go inside, I'll retreat back up to my spark, I'll take that spark, I'll get on it, and I'll just rise on up, my body will drop, I'll go to my soul, and I don't have to come back. God, that's pretty nice. I like that. Now the pathway of this is really called soul transcendence. So the key to soul transcendence is this. You don't want to just move through the physical, the astral, the causal, the mental, the unconscious, and into soul. You want to then move on into the realms of God's spiritual creation and anchor yourself there as well. You don't want to just anchor yourself in soul. You want to anchor yourself into the realms of spirit. You want to transcend soul, soul transcendence. Why do you want to do that? Well, if the realms of soul, you can still kind of look down and the temptation can still be there. Well, you know what? That apple sure did taste pretty good. <laughs> you know, let's just go get one more slice of apple pie. Yeah, yeah, come on, let's just go. You know, I could sure use some sugar right now. Let's just, let's just go down there and do that. And we can fall. We literally can fall back out of soul because that centrifugal force is very strong because we've been doing centrifugal for a long time and we're habitually drawn to it. So we might get to soul, but we may not be able to hold in soul. But if you anchor yourself into the realms of God's spiritual creation, when you die and you go on back up into that level which you're anchored to in spirit, not just in soul, when you look down, guess what? You're just going to see your soul and go, oh, that's nice, but let's keep going. You know, we've done that, let's keep going. And you're not going to be drawn down here. You're not going to be tempted anymore. Call will not be able to tempt you at all with any of his creation. So it really is soul transcendence to go up into God's kingdom, into the realm of the positive spirit. Now, this is called the realm of light and sound. And the Holy Spirit moves on light and sound. And it's through the Holy Spirit that God created. The breath of the Holy Spirit. He breathed and the water stirred. 
and then out of that came all. And what happens? We breathe in the breath into this body, and the soul is anchored into the body at that moment. The soul isn't in the body in the body of the mother. That's just a physical body waiting for you to come in on your first breath. It's breathed in. Oh, there I am. Oh, God, now I'm in a body. Oh. <laughs> why did I have to come back here? Maybe that's why we cry when we first are born. Because <laughs> we wake up to where we are. So you have to look down here then. And this is just the realm of light. It isn't the realm of light and sound. It isn't the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's a negative light. It's not a positive light in the sound realm. And it's a realm of deception. And we are deceived a great deal. Now remember, it's all through God's will. It's all through God's grace. But Kalnarinjan warped it in such a way that he's got a great deception running down here. But yeah, he is the creator of all this. And remember, all this is just illusion. This is not real. This is not real. The only thing that's real down here is your spirit, is the divine spirit that you are. That's the only thing that's real, and that's the only thing that will ever be able to leave here. Because all the other is just the illusion of it. It's not the reality of it. Let me just close it with this. You never left the heart of God. You just think you did. You just feel you did. You just imagined you did. You just live as though you did. You get it? But you never left the heart of God. You're right there right now. You just are in the illusion of it. Because the deceiver said, I'm going to deceive you. And you said, okay, let's see if you can deceive me. And he did. So now you've got to give up all your deceptions. That means give up all those belief systems and just go back into God. Now, your pathway may not be the names of God and initiation and all that right now. Your pathway may just be find loving, find neutrality. Don't be reactive. Just be active in the world. Don't react every time somebody comes over and pushes at you. Just act. Say, oh, I hear you, but you know I'm not doing that this way anymore. Thank you, but no thank you. Don't react. Just act. Be creative, not destructive. Be forgiving and understanding. Be accepting. Be of joy, peace, love, enthusiasm, light, sound, all that is God in you. Be that. Choose into that. Pray. Pray unceasingly. If it isn't the names of God, start praying. Lord God, I love you. I just love you. I open myself to you. I allow your grace in. I am so grateful for all that you've given me. Pray to God, but pray in a neutral way, in a loving way. Not, give me, I need, why aren't you? You know, what's wrong with you, Lord? Don't you know I'm down here and I'm your son and you're supposed to be giving me all this stuff? God goes, well, as soon as you allow me in, I'll do it. You know, what does it say? Invite God in and he will be there. You have to invite him in. You know, the painting, Jesus is knocking at the door. He's ever knocking but are we ever opening the door and saying, well, come on in? No, we're saying, I have too much to do. I don't have enough time. You'll have to let yourself in. And Jesus goes, no, you've got to open the door. I'm just letting you know I'm here. We've got to open the door for God's. You pull the door open always towards you. Because the temptation is, you get in a hurry and you start pushing, 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 thinking you're going to push the door open. 
You have to be patient. You have to pull the door open toward you. That's patience. That's another part of God, patience. And we have to learn patience. You can't force your way into God's heaven. You can't force your way into the realm of spirit. You open through loving, patience, neutrality, acceptance, peace, and just move on in.